I know, right? <laughs> hey guys, thank y'all so much for uh, taking time once again to come to the table um, and just uh, listen to us today, man. I'm excited about the guest that I have today uh, for our third official episode of the Table Podcast. Um, we've we had a good conversation with Jamie Murphy last week about proactive parenting initiative. Um, and just to kind of remind you guys about what the table is, is it's just getting people to come to the table, come to a location and have conversations from a Christian worldview about um, popular topics, maybe some stuff that uh, uh, we're facing in the world today. And I think uh, the topic at hand that we're going to be talking about today, discipleship and deconstruction, is going to be a, a goodie because we're starting to see it pop up in, in Christian circles and evangelical circles, and we'll get to that a little bit first. But first, I want to introduce my guest, um, Scott Miller, who is the pastor of New Life Baptist Church, Baptist Fellowship, excuse yeah, me, yeah. and uh, here in, now are we officially Bowling Springs or Inman? Yep, this is the Bowling Springs area. Bowling Springs Right area. on the line, but Bowling Springs is our zip. Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself yep. and uh, maybe a little bit of history, like, uh, you know, how you got here and how you got to be called a pastor. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Um so I am originally from West Virginia. Uh, grew up out in the country, um, just in West Virginia. Uh, felt the call to ministry. Uh, end of high school, beginning of college. Um, end up making my way to Liberty University. Uh, while at Liberty, met a guy that knew a pastor in South Carolina uh, that was looking for uh, to bring on a student pastor. So um, interview uh, with a church here in the area. End up moving down December of '06. Uh, was engaged. Uh, my wife and I, Mary May of 07, she moves down, um, and we're here doing life in the community. Um, and so uh, felt the call to student ministry in my life, um, and uh, was in student ministry for, for about 15 years, wow. uh, and then just, just through through different things and, and um, seeing stuff in the church, and especially what we're going to talk about a little bit today as it pertains to discipleship. I just felt God kind of just changing my desire and my heart uh, toward the role of, of lead pastor. Um, and so through that, uh, end up making my way over to New Life Baptist Fellowship, kind of come on as their associate slash student uh, pastor uh, there, uh, and we transitioned. The gentleman that, that planted the church uh, was looking to bring somebody in to, uh, to disciple mentor uh, so he could retire. Um, and so just walked through that process, and here I am today. Uh, I have been lead pastor here at New Life for uh, uh, right, right around four, a little over four years. And right. So. so, so do a quick little shameless plug about New Life Baptist yep. Fellowship. New Life, we are, like I said, uh, really on the border of Inman uh, and Bowling Springs uh, here in South Carolina, and uh, uh, a church plan of about fifteen years. Um, uh, and so we, uh, our heart is discipleship. We we want to make disciples who make a difference. We want to uh, take the gospel to the world, um, to the nations. We want to see men and women uh, mature in their faith and grow and uh, uh, just reach the world. And so, um, again, so we're we're a church here that that loves loves people, loves our community, uh, loves uh, again seeing people grow and mature in their relationship with Christ. Um, and so we we start from from our our children's ministry all the way up through our student ministry, college ministry here. Um, and in adult ministry through through small groups and things like that. Awesome. So opposite of you right now is one of my good friends um, and a guy that is uh, your student pastor and um, is, is Austin Graham. Austin, uh, you are the student pastor here at New Life Baptist Fellowship. Um, and right now you are you are fighting through some uh, hiccups. He just he just ate a piece of spicy pizza at 11 o'clock. You are there's your hats backwards. Uh-huh. 
um, and, and you're here and eating pizza at 11 o'clock in the morning, um, can you be more youth pastor? I think if you had like a monster energy drink. So well, I had Red Bull in the, in the fridge. I could have grabbed. <laughs> so Austin, tell us a little bit about um, the student ministry here at New Life. Um, a little bit about that, a little bit about yourself. Um, and, you know, hey, why you've come to the table? I don't know. <laughs> Just, uh, I was asked to come to the yes, table. To come to the, um, that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, so I've been here for a little over a year now. Um, I got here in December of last year, and then I've been kind of, you know, pushing a lot of different things. And so I've, you know, consistent, I've, you know, it's in terms of, you know, student ministry that mm-hmm. I've gone through. Um, so I've been here for almost a year and a half, uh, not a year and a half, a year and a, and a quarter. Um, the student ministry here, like I, I've, I've loved being here. I get to do worship with the students. I do, you know, you know, teaching with the students mm-hmm. and especially, the main thing that I really love to do is small groups with, with my students. Mm-hmm. Um, we here recently within the last couple of weeks, we've kind of blended the idea of doing worship message and small groups all together. So it's all comes together. So after they hear the, the lesson, they get into their small groups and they just dig deeper and more and just mm-hmm. to have a really deep conversations in that. Right. Um, it was really cool this last week. Um, we had two students, the ones, there's one who kind of views herself as, as a transsexual. Right. And the other one is is da- da- is a girl dating another girl. Right. And so the whole idea of this last week, we looked at blending in and how we shouldn't be blending in, how we should be holy and set apart. Right. And those two girls, and they're middle schoolers, and they're sitting right. in their small group crying. Right. Because they felt that conviction of praise the Lord. what they're doing is not really the correct thing. And right. so you see where God's working through small groups and how awesome it is just how impactful that is in, in student ministry. Um, but for me, I feel like I've gone through like a lot of different loops and turns to get to where I am. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to go to CIU for, for, you know, student ministry and worship ministry. Right. Uh, two weeks before I was supposed to go there, they sent me a, uh, like a call saying, Hey, we don't know where any of your scholarships went. We don't know where any of your money went. Right. So you got to pull out some loans or do something, payment plan or whatever. Mm-hmm. That school's like $17,000 for, for a semester. It's and I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, and so luckily enough, my you know, my mom made me apply for Greenville Tech just, just for safety precautions. So I did that. Did 21 hours my first semester and worked at Chick-fil-A for 40 hours, and I dropped out. because that Christian was, chicken place. All right. That was, that was the – the most hardest year I've ever done because that was, that was brutal. Right. Um, but through that, God's really pushed me to, I interned at my home church that I grew up in. And then through that, I got to work at BCM for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then, you know, student pastor at a church that called Bethany. Then I went from there to view church and mm-hmm. from view church to here. Right. And, and at view church is where our, our roads kind of met. I had the privilege of being the student pastor there for, for about two years and we worked hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I recall like one of the first conversations that we sat down because, you know, you were, you were kind of helping the student ministry tread water, um, during the time of transition. And you were, even then, even before you met me, you were heavy on making sure that those students were grabbing and, 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 and meeting in a place mm-hmm. and being held accountable and talking about the word of God on a day, on a weekly basis and having a guy that's like, they're always available. That's one of the things that, that like, um, I loved about working with you, man, is that you were always available to mm-hmm. any student for any question. And trust, trust me, there were several nights where we were, you know, playing, you know, we, we game a little bit together and we would sit on discord and have conversations with, 
you know, students and talk about and answer hard questions. And I think that giving you a little sneak peek behind the curtain here for the back, uh, you know, the later part of the episode, I think that that's crucial to helping lead the fight against where we're going. Talking video about video games, uh, that's what it is. De- de- deconstruction, <laughs> not video games, but deconstruction. Um, tell us a little bit about New Life Student Ministry when they meet, all that other stuff. Um, so right now we meet small groups on Sunday night. That's just straight up. Just we we we're going through First Timothy right now. Um, and then on Wednesday nights, we meet uh, at 620, uh, and then that's where we do the worship. We, we, we go through uh, – we're going through a series right now, and then after that, we go to our small groups. We split up between middle school and high school so they can have uh, either deeper conversations or, you know, uh, right. not as deep as – middle schoolers don't go as deep as high schoolers. That's right. just how, the, how that works. Right. They're middle schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> But even, hey, the middle scorers, they knocked out of the park this week yeah. with what they were going And they'll through. surprise you from time to time, man. And I think that's crucial because you're you're actually an adult being there, especially for a young believer, an adult being there to answer the questions so they can learn, mm-hmm. I think helps when we start to – when we – we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but when those questions start to ask about their – they start asking those questions about their faith, it, it kind of, you know – they have somebody there that's a seasoned veteran, a, a, a person that's grown up in the faith that knows why they believe what they believe. They know the answers. So, um, Scott, I forgot to do this to you. Tell, um, tell us a little bit about the the times, the gatherings for yep. New Life and, and all of that um, on Sundays and during the week. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, so we, we meet Sunday morning um, here at 350 Old Furnace Road, mm-hmm. uh, Bowling Springs, South Carolina. Um, our gathering on Sunday morning uh, worships at ten. Uh, we actually have uh, two uh, life groups that meet nine a uh, nine a.m. Uh, before service uh, here. But like I said, worship starts at at ten. Um, and one of the things that we've started doing is the first uh, Wednesday of every month uh, doing a revival night, just where mm-hmm. we kind of come together and uh, worship, spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word. Um, uh, and sometimes we'll have guest speakers come in and lead that. Uh, sometimes we'll just uh, open up the Word and look at like some of these taboo-type topics Absolutely. to where we can uh, just really address it from the Word of God and what He has to say. Uh, so that's every uh, first Wednesday of the month uh, there. Um, and then we're also, like I said, we've got we've got life groups that are looking to launch uh, in the next next month, so so people can get together and, and, and get involved in community that way. Yeah, and that's and that's what I love about. Um, I I grew well. I kind of cut my ministry teeth in a church that's very similar to um, New Life, um, my father in law's church uh, that he planted in Athens, Georgia. Um, um, oh gosh, uh, Life Church. There we go, New Life Life Church. Yeah, exactly. there. But but it's a very similar church and and. Um, the the correlation, the similarities between two is is that you have a desire um, to grow this church through discipleship. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and discipleship is not, you know, um, is not just a class each week. Mm-hmm. It, it's a discipleship's messy. Yeah. Um, so, tell me a little bit about your heart for discipleship, and and maybe maybe um, kind of as we're sitting here, maybe maybe a person, a new believer sitting yeah. right beside me. Kind of talk to that new believer real quick mm-hmm. about the importance of discipleship and like how new life's going to be be addressing all that. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, so discipleship. I believe the discipleship is the the piece that is missing most in the church today. Um, I believe it's 
it, everything hinges upon upon that. And so, uh, whenever I say the word disciple, and it's crazy, we're living in a time where we have to we have to even define that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for us, when we say disciple, what we mean is this: is someone who's been born again, so they're saved, they're a believer. Right. Someone who uh, is being changed, mm-hmm. um, uh, so transformed more to the image of Christ, um, dying to self. Th- th- those type of, of mm-hmm. pictures there, uh, and someone who is on mission mission with with Christ, and it's to make more disciples, it's to evangelize the world. Um, uh, and live out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in in our community, and so um, so for us th- that that's that's what a disciple is, and so so the heart is uh, is, is us, and I believe there's some components and different environments that need to mm-hmm. to be present in order to make those. Um, but it's really, in, in essence, it's it's the believer growing and maturing in their faith uh, uh, um, to the point of where uh, they can live out and walk out and be. And even as we address what we're going to talk about today, um, I believe that it's it's one of those things that's because it's been missing right. our world and our culture, and even even in the church today, it's like it is is because this piece has been missing. That mm-hmm. we as the church have have punted on our responsibility. Right. To live out the Great Commission, um, and, and I believe it starts in house. It starts with our people. Um, and, and I'm and I'm a I guess I'm a victim a little bit, and not to I love my home church and the church that I was raised in, and I'm thankful for the ministry of where I grew up as as a young believer. Um, but even with my testimony, I think what God did in my life is is when I um, you know repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus Christ and and uh, surrendered my life to Christ. I uh, I, when I walked out of the back of the church, it was it was a big evangelistic push that a church mm-hmm. was doing. Mm-hmm. And when I walked back down the aisle after going forth to surrender my life to Christ, there was no one, no one through those other side of the doors. It was my mom, and I love you know praise yeah. the Lord for a godly mother because yeah. I wouldn't have been there that night if my mom hadn't have said you need to go, you're coming with me, come on, and basically drug me out the door. Um, but there was nobody there mm-hmm. to to even tell me about what I did. Um, but praise mm-hmm. the Lord, a few weeks, a few days later, I was invited to an event at at the, you know what then became a home church, and that's where the process started. Right. And, and um, we think about discipleship, um, and we we talk about it, and it's not. And what I learned through my youth pastor who discipled me. Discipleship's not, um, like I said, just a place where we go on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. He he showed me um, through life what following Christ was about. Absolutely. Um, so, what have you seen? I you know I have I have some personal opinions on this, but where did we go wrong? Right. Where did we mess up? That's a great question, um, and you can jump in anytime you want to. Too oh awesome. Okay. Oh okay. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm still here, guys. Hey, um, one one of the cool things. Uh, so a couple weeks, two weeks ago, we we did a a series like a, a like a like a one. How is it one and done? Um, but we we looked at the Great Commission, um, and so we were looking at how our students could love and invest and and just be be more like Christ to to to, our, to their friends. Um, because right now, like I, I even brought it to the students that, Hey, you are doing an awful job of this. Like you, you are modeling what we did. Like my, my generation growing up, we did an awful job at it. Right. Um, and so one of the things I looked at, um, we, we looked at the great commission. We read it, you know, sentence by sentence, word by word. And we looked at where, where did we go wrong in it? Cause it's very clear of what we have to do. Right. But there was a, 
I think his name is Dallas Willard. Um, he has a book, and he he wrote out that we have missed the point completely, where we are out here making Christians and not disciples. Um, where okay, we elaborate a little bit on that. So like our main, like he called it the great omission. Okay. Where you kind of focus on just the make disciples part and baptize them part, and then forget everything else. Right. The rest of the great commission is to go do that. Yes. Right. But also to teach them and show them what it's like right. to be like Christ. So, so make them just to kind of clarify what you said, just worry about the conversion, mm-hmm. get them baptized, get the number, get their yep. hind end, rear end, butt in a seat. This is my podcast. I can say, butt. um, get their butt in a seat and, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I, that way. I agree that that's easy and it looks good. And, and from Scott's perspective, Hey, you know, the people that, you know, the people of the church are happy. We, we, the parking lot's full, the sanctuary's full on Sunday morning. We've got people and and so, but there's an issue that there's an underlying issue that starts to happen because when you look at the Great Commission, and I pulled it up here, and I'm just going to read it, just 18 on. It says, Jesus, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. See, we like to camp out on 18 and 19, but then 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And immediately my mind goes to when he says all the commands that I've given you, I think about, okay, Nicodemus, when he goes to Jesus and he says, you know, Lord, what's the greatest commandments? What, what, you know, I have, we have all these rules and regulations. What are the greatest ones? The ones that I need to know. And he says, love the Lord, your love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those, all, all the law and prophets are built off of these two mm-hmm. examples. We're missing this part. That's that's where it's gone. We sat in in churches, evangelical em- emphasis, and even within our our conventions that we're associated with, that huge emphasis on numbers mm-hmm. and and not disciples. I mean, you look at a lot of the successful student ministries today. You look at a lot of the successful student ministries today, and the student pastors, if they're not bringing kids in. By the droves, they're not considered successful. Same thing goes with the pastor too. If you're not bringing in yeah. people by the droves, you're not you're not a successful pastor, Scott. Well, even the system that we have to to calculate how successful we're being, I think, is just it's it's so flipped upside down and wrong. Um, and and I think again because the way the way we define success compared to the way that that Jesus would define success. And, and just like you're saying, I mean, I, I think I mean, Austin hit it right on the head is I think the evangelism and sharing the faith is the easy part because that's that's just the work of God in someone, the, the Holy Spirit working to, to save and, mm-hmm. and woo and draw and, and redeem and rescue. And then, like I said, the, the, the difficult part comes, okay, now, now it's – and we play a role in that, so don't hear what I'm not saying. We, we play a role in that, but, but then what happens is we don't – we don't continue on with, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's like what we're talking about here. We don't count the cost. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, there there is an immense cost to discipling someone, um, and I think I mean there's a number of reasons. It could be fear because I know, especially in what, what I do, uh, the amount of guys that that are, um, I guess, fake or have to put on that that mask and pretend to play. I mean, I mean, t- just to be a real guy. So, so I think the thing that that I appreciate and 
or one of the greatest compliments that, that I can get is that question of, or that statement of, well, you're a pastor? <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not talking yeah. about because I've got spiky hair. I'm talking about mm-hmm. because I, I just try to be a regular guy following Jesus, loving right. Jesus, pursuing Jesus. Um, and for whatever reason, he has called me to shepherd and lead his people and oversee his people. Right. Um, and, and so— For whatever reason. For like whatever, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, what he's thinking, right? He's, his ways are higher. But, right. um but, I, but but for, for me, again, so I don't strive to try to be a pastor or act like a pastor. What does a pastor act like? Right. I just try to act like a man of God. Right. And then in that and through that, everything else will come as a result of me, like you said, loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and pursuing mm-hmm. that relationship. And then in that, um, yeah, there's certain things that I do because of what he's called me into. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know like the teaching part and, and oversight and some, some different stuff like that, administration type stuff. But but for me, the greatest desire of my heart is not to try to be a pastor. The greatest desire of my heart is to, to pursue Christ and be a Christ lover and follower and a disciple and right. disciple maker. Right. Um, and so fear, again, I know because it's life on life, people are afraid to open up and to share and to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we don't count the cost. And so I think there's a lazy factor in there of uh, of once we see what, what it will really cost and what that really means. And I think Austin even hit hit on it. Because I know student ministry is a very, very relational ministry, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of life on life there. Um, and I just, I mean, I think time, I mean, we just like said, so time, don't count the cost. I mean, there's a lot of time and energy and effort and things like that. That's And we're just, we're selfish. People are selfish, and we see that from the very beginning. How do you think the church has made it easy, like following Christ? You know, yeah, there's a big emphasis on the the get, the baptizing, you yep. know, yep. getting getting people to follow Christ and then the baptizing, like, We've we how have we made that look? I think I guess you see where I'm going. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm having a hard yeah. time putting putting words to it. But we've made it easy. Yeah, we've, easy believism is yeah. kind of the thing that Absolutely. keeps on cropping up. Well, I mean, I, just, I mean, for for song, it's just been say, walk this aisle, say this prayer, you're good to go. Right. Um. And and I I don't believe that that's salvation. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that we would be really really shocked that whenever we put or we put up the scriptures next to someone who claims to be a believer. Does their life mimic or show what we see in Scripture for someone who who's been born again? Right. Um, and, and so may, maybe really the honestly the, the the part is there. Maybe what we're thinking or counting as salvation maybe really hasn't occurred, really hasn't happened. I, I don't know. And here's where here's where I got in trouble, and I got a lot of nasty looks because we're all three student, you know, yeah. two former student pastors and a current student pastor. I would a person would come to me and and a kid, uh, you know, counseling would happen and um, that person would come to me, you know, so and so has has made a decision to follow Christ. Awesome, yay, great. Um, I had I've had counselors look at me. Okay, let's talk about getting them baptized, and I would say let's pump the brakes on that mm-hmm. because um, I want to see fruit, and right. and, and not necessarily yeah. it's not me to judge that. Like back up. Yes, I can be a fruit inspector. So in yeah. a sense there is judging that goes on there to an extent. Not a you know, we are not the eternal judges of right. of eternal location condemnation. That belongs to Christ and Christ alone. But we can look at a kid that prays a prayer on Wednesday night and has an emotional experience mm-hmm. and then three weeks down the road they're living like hell. I hate to say it like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. But there's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness coming out of their life from the the way Christ has changed them. I'm sorry, I'm not going to baptize a kid that's not demonstrating the fruits mm-hmm. of the Spirit and a desire to grow in the Lord. I, I, um, a story I heard, and I'll probably 
mess this up a little bit, but kind of give you the gist of it. A story that I've heard has always just kind of stuck with me. There was one of these old-timey revival tent preaching guys that was was going around, and he was coming into town, and he's checked into his, his hotel and the, the church or the organization who's brought him in to, to lead this. Um, he gets him all checked in, things like that. He, he goes through the week, does his tent revival. Um, and, man, the, the, the local newspaper um, comes to him after and uh, – uh, just wants to interview him, wants to talk to him. And they were just, they were ranting and raving about the droves of people who've come down and, and put their faith and trust in, in Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, and they asked, they asked the, the old um, evangelist, they're like, so, so what, what do you say about that? How awesome is that? How many do you think? And, da, da, da. and he's like, why don't we do this? Why don't we give it six months? And let's see how many of those professions were real. Right. Let's really see, okay, is it or right. was it an emotional high or was it because their buddy went down or because of – like let's give it time and let's 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 really see if that is, is the case or not. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I, I think, again – and I think that's part of discipleship too right. because – what what happens is we do that and yeah let's 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 dunk them and let's get a number out there let's 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 and and I think we do need to celebrate the church right. needs to do a better job celebrating, right. but I think we need to pump the brakes for a moment and let's mm-hmm. make sure they understand what they've just said they're committing to right. what they've just said that that God's doing in their life or drawing them and 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 again just I think a heart check a motive check from them and from us and. Um, just, just kind of walking, walking through some of that. And the thing that pops into my mind is that it's, it's not, it, it, it's easy to do the front half of, oh, yeah. of to, to, um, you know, share the gospel, dunk the person, yeah. baptize them, and and let them be. Absolutely. Discipleship's where it gets messy. Yeah. Discipleship is the the one thirty a.m. phone calls of talking to students or adults lord lord only knows what y'all have dealt with yeah. you know we can yeah. sit here and talk about stories all day long uh, about the things you know that we've dealt with and the phone calls and all that um discipleship is messy Absolutely. and and i think that's a big thing of because you get in a room and i know we just said it's not just sitting down in a room and doing a bible study and talking about god's word but when you get involved with somebody's life and i'm texting you on the daily mm-hmm. uh, or i'm i'm talking to somebody you know that's in my group or that i'm i'm walking i hate using the phrase but it's so popular walking through life with yeah. you yeah. know um, it gets messy because we we don't like people to see it's just like everybody's got that room in their house mm-hmm. A week. I've got I, McKenna. I love you, um, but we we've got that room in our house right now. That this kind of the catch-all room, and I, I know you probably got it, Scott. Yeah. Austin, you live in an apartment, so I don't know what you got. But <laughs> I have a kitchen. Uh, you got a kitchen, but yeah. we, we all know that room that we're talking about. And it's a catch-all room, and we don't let anyone go into that room. Spiritually speaking, discipleship is is letting that person, giving the person the keys to your spiritual house, and walk in. And look in any drawer, look in any room under the couch where you haven't vacuumed in three months, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, or cat hair. Or cat hair. Yeah. yeah. Like cat hair. So, Austin, you're looking at me like you got something to say. Um, what are your thoughts? I'll just give it the microphone. So I'll just, I'll just look. <laughs> <laughs> well, from a, from the student side of things, how is this? Um, how how you're kind of on the front lines because what I, I genuinely feel like. What we see happening in student ministry now is kind of the things that we're going to progress and see in the church in five, ten years. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, how are you seeing this in in church or in the student ministry? Um, definitely with. I'll take it back a little bit further. So, when I worked at BCM, um, 
there was there was a student. Um, he he was very and I mean, I his heart was his heart was there, but his mind was like he was one of the type of people. But he wanted visual evidence of who God was, mm-hmm. and so he wanted to hold it and hold it in his hand. And so he he the entirety of me knowing him, he doubted. The entirety of me knowing him, he. He fought against the idea of discipleship. He fought against the idea of I don't want to be in a small group because I just want to know. I want to hold this this God. I want to hold you know. I want to mm-hmm. be able to tangibly see and hold. Um, and so he he refused to do a lot of life with me. He refused to do a lot of discipleship with with our small group. And then you fast forward to here, you see where the students struggle with a lot of. I want to say it's newer, but it's very it's much more open and public than than it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the, the students struggle and you see where it's much more, you know, how culture has said, Hey, this is, this is fa- fantastic. We're, we're proud of you. You, su- you know, you're supported. Mm-hmm. And then you see where the church is very against that. And you see, there's a big division. And so you see, there's a lot of scaredness of, I don't want really want people in my life because of the church views on this, but I don't have you on this. I don't want to, I don't want, like you said, I don't want them in my dirt because that's, you know. It's dirt. That's as dirt. Um, but if they're willing, like what happened to those those two girls this this last Wednesday to see, they were just open to it, see how God wrecked them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of a lot of students won't do that. A lot of students are very hesitant. They won't talk. Like my high schoolers didn't want to talk at all. They're very mm-hmm. just recluse. They don't want to talk as much. I have some students who will talk all day long and they'll be happy and excited. Um, but some students just don't want to share. They don't want to open it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a contingency for a lot of people. And like I said, th- what we went on, our topic this last, win- this last Wednesday was about blending in and how we don't want to blend in. Mm-hmm. But one of the students says, well, hey, I, I know who's not blend- the ones that are blending in are the ones that aren't talking right now. Right. Um, and how he was very, he's the one that's very, he talks a lot. Right. And he was very like, just saying, we we need to be we need to check ourselves. We need to recognize that, you know, we're doing life together. We need to recognize that it's not just about coming to a to a session or coming to a service. It's more it's more than that. And I think what's interesting too is that in this process of discipleship with you, Austin, um, with your students, is that you encounter questions a lot of times that that a lot of people don't know how to answer. And oh, I had one about suicide uh, during the summer. That was fun. Right. And and so we talk about suicide. We talk about homosexuality. We talk about gender identity. All of the, the hot topics that are that are are facing our culture today and and the average believer, because of lack of discipleship, they don't know how to answer other than, well, you just need to get in church. Well, you just need to be you know, and please forgive me for my twinge of Southern accent there. I'm just kind of setting up the scenario because we don't know how to answer. All we have to do, and, and my mom was guilty of this too, that a lot of the responses that she gave me as a, as a young believer was, well, you just need to get in church. You just need to read your Bible. There's truth to that. But a lot of times, especially with the students today, they want answers and they want to know why they believe what they believe, and then they turn to a believer that isn't grown in their faith, and they don't know how to answer. Yep. And see, and I, and I even, and I think that's what's just so one damning for the church is because that's on us. Like, like we're, we're called to equip the saints, and I think one of the the components even missing within the church is this: 
is is that we haven't walked with families, that, that we haven't modeled what that, that looks like, that right. we, we haven't or, or pressed them in that or, or raised them up in, into that. And I, for me, I, I think as, student, as a student pastor or even just now in ministry, um, I, think, I think one of the, the greatest the, the greatest happenings that, that I've seen in ministry is this, is that whenever that kid goes to mom and dad first and mom and dad can answer that question mm-hmm. and walk with them through that and go through the scriptures, and then they just come to me as a, as a backup or a follow-up. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that, that's discipleship. I, I think the greatest influence or the greatest influence should be is, is in that home as mom and dad, mm-hmm. not, not pastor. And I think we've, we've got it flipped as, as, as parents or even people like, well, let's just get them in the church and that'll fix everything or that'll right. get them. And us pouring into or teaching for an hour or two hours a week mm-hmm. it just gets destroyed by a life lived opposite outside of that in the right. home or in school right. or, or wherever. And so, um, so I, even, I mean, again, talking about discipleship, it's missing in the home with parents and kids. And as a result of that, we, we get where we're, where we're at today. And so almost we've got this void and this void of, of lack of knowledge, and, and especially in a world where we have many computers in our pockets mm-hmm. right now yeah. where we can go to Google or we can go to DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you like to yeah. use. Um, and Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. That's an oldie but is a that, goodie. Is, that still there? Um, is it still working? I don't I know. Don't know man. Um, but, but we can go to these search engines. We can go to the Internet and find answers. And the biggest mistake that I've seen a lot of students, yeah. um, and maybe I don't even want to say students, maybe a lot of people, yeah, I agree. they – they go to, you know, let's use Google for example. They go to Google, type in the question, hit enter. Um, what they don't realize is that their first tendency is to hit, click on those first two mm-hmm. or three search searches returns that are there on that list just out of, you know, that's where they start the their search. Right, the ones that yeah, say yeah, add on, yeah. but I'm guilty of not even realizing that at the time it's an ad and I click on it and I realize, oh, it's an ad. Okay. Um, but there are organizations um, that have bought those locations on those search engines. So when that question's typed about Christianity and XYZ, you know, topic of choice here, they've got the top ad hit so that when that person, student or adult looking, they go right there and it's completely a non-biblical answer to to what we've got going on. Um, and that's what's scary because there's a lot of cutesy little sayings yeah. out there that sounds very, a lot of cutesy little sayings out there that sounds very biblical, but are actually anti. Right. I mean, I mean they, they don't line up with scripture at all. So, yeah, so it's, it's so scary. In, in our top, I mean, what we're talking about today is, is essentially we're opening up the door to what really is a big, big issue. Because the I, I feel like the lack of discipleship, and as we kind of turn the page on this thing, the lack of discipleship has led to this um, movement, and I don't know, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't heard it, but it, it's a big movement within, uh, I guess the word is evangelical circles, you know, Christian circles, is to talk about Christian deconstruction. And and just to kind of, of course, you know, we were talking beforehand before we started the recording here, um, we've got to define some terms here really quick about deconstruction and what we mean by deconstruction. And, um, of course, there's a great article that I'm going to tie in at the bottom of this uh, in the description of this podcast from Got Questions is, is kind of the article that we're referencing. And mom, dad, uh, adult believer, 
Um, let me let me be the first to say that this is a great website for you guys to go to um, if you don't know the answer. So rather than go to Google or DuckDuckGo or wherever else, go to gotquestions.org yep. and um, type in your question or even oh, the the main boil it down to the main topic head of you know. Um, if we were just searching about the crucifixion, just type crucifixion into the, the search bar on gotquestions.org, and there's a ton of articles that will come up. And these, these answers to these questions are written by people who are seminary trained. So these are, these are men and women who have dug into Scripture, and they, they've kind of laid some stuff out. So we're going to be referencing an article from gotquestions.org kind of directly about deconstruction, but to kind of talk about um, the lay the groundwork and define terms about deconstruction. And, and I know we can go in there. There's a lot of stuff. And I think there's a point where the woke evangelical movement kind of comes in on this too, to kind of dog the church and the patriarchy and, and all this other stuff. But I think we're just going to kind of stay on the ground level for right now. Maybe we'll come back and, and, and dig in a little deeper on, on deconstruction a little bit later on. But I, I feel like that We've come to a crossroads because of the lack of of <laughs> the lack of of discipleship in the church, and we've got people asking these questions, and because they can't get at answers, immediately their reaction is, "Well, this isn't what it was cracked up to be, so yeah. I'm going to break apart my faith." And one of the big things that we were pointing to was uh, was it been about two or three years ago. With Rhett and Link, they they they're guys from North Carolina. They were raised in an evan- evangelical church. Don't know which church they were raised in, but they came out. And of course, they have an exceptional, fun YouTube channel podcast. I don't know if they're doing podcasts or whatever, but like they they're great entertainers. And they were raised in the church. And Austin, you you kind of watched their their video about deconstruction and kind of tell me a little bit about that and just kind of. Tell me what your thoughts were on that. Um, well, they're, they they, they kind of open up their like their hearts and where, where they were at and and in, in their lives right now um, because they like they they were born in North North Carolina they they moved their YouTube channel got really big they moved to LA mm-hmm. and they kind of got in the LA scene and you see where the world kind of creeps in and if, if you're not church if you're not discipled if you're not you know constantly being checked on and like living life with people it's very easy to cr- fall out of that right. So you, you can see evidently like how they were saying things and how they were just being honest with, you know, how church was and how different life was in LA and how just they didn't feel like that was them anymore. They felt right. they, they evolved past right. the ideas. And, and of, they gained a, a better knowledge or how, they become more intelligent, more, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't want yeah. Or even on top of, of them, you look at the one guy from Hillsong who deconstructed mm-hmm. his faith, the, the, the lead singer from Hawk Nelson who deconstructed his faith. You see where there's a lot of people, not just like YouTubers, but like people that are in churches, people that are in worship groups, people that are right. that are very evi- like they people know and they look up to step away from their faith. And people are like, this guy was this guy did all this stuff and he was a very well-known Christian. And what what do I do now? Because of right. they right. see all these people doing it. So, yeah. And, and that man, that. That's tough because they start asking, like I said, they start asking questions that really someone who's not been discipled can't answer. Well, and I think that I think that's that's the that's the thing too. We talk about blind faith all the time, but I don't know if it's so much blind faith. 
as as it is just a lack of of digging in and diving into and, and and the church has created environments where to question or to doubt is unacceptable you can't do that right and i think that's damaging uh in, in and of itself there is if is if you can't have those conversations and ask those questions right um then, then of course the thing is this they're asking those questions if they're not asking them in the church they're asking them somewhere else right and if the church doesn't answer those questions somebody else is going to and then satan just uses that because he's the deceiver right? right he's the liar the manipulator right and he just uses that to tear down and to destroy and, and i think we're running this backs into something too where the, we have created some unhealthy church cultures mm-hmm. where the pastor is you, you created a culture where um, you can't question the pastor. Yeah. What he says goes. And and red flag believer, <laughs> I, I don't care what church you're involved in, um, if you're not allowed to ask hard questions to your pastor, that is a huge red flag. Absolutely. Get out. Get out. Um, you know, I know, you know, just knowing Scott, I know that he welcomes that. And, and, and if, if it's a question that he can't answer, mm-hmm. um, he's going to try to dig and find the answer. Um, and I think that's the thing that we're afraid. And mom, dad, let me let me talk to y'all real quick. Don't be afraid to tell your kids, um, or even even friend. Don't be afraid to look at your other friend that's asking hard questions and go, you know what? I don't have the answer to that, but I know God's word addresses it. Let me come back and let me look and let me come back to you, and be diligent about coming back. Be diligent about going and digging and coming back and giving them an answer and trying to help them understand because it may be a believer who's working out their salvation with fear and trembling. That's it. Um, And so, you know, looking at this whole deconstruction thing, um, my mind immediately like goes to um, where Jesus tells the parable about the two houses, Mm -hmm. one built on solid ground, one built on sand. And it's funny that that you talk about de, you know this whole thing is de, you know talk you're talking about deconstruction, and Jesus has addressed it ironically. Um, I would submit that like the people that are struggling with their faith, they haven't been discipled, and their house is not built on solid ground that they've put. It's we're kind of opening it up up, up a little, another door, but we're talking about. The emotionalism, maybe, mm-hmm. or it was a decision. You know, can can students, can people be saved through an emotional moment? Can the Holy Spirit work through this? Absolutely. Um, you know, but like it, when they start to question that, and they they meet the professor in college that um, yeah. has been is a tenured professor, and he's been doing what he's doing, and he prides himself at breaking believers backs so to speak and they have to be in that course to get the grade to go on to achieve their major it i can definitely see where their world can be flipped upside down and and they go well you know what do i do now because if this is true you know these guys are saying this then then what does it say about the bible and then nobody's there to answer and so they just give up on it. Well, one thing I was thinking about, you're talking about the, the houses. I think about, um, I remember when the Red Link first came out with that, and they on their Twitter was a lot of people, you know, praising them for it. A lot of people, you know, giving their stories of what happened to them in churches. Right. And I think about, you know, those houses and how people can get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um like people, you can hate, like how sledgehammers will start tearing down your houses too by people coming in and just breaking things too. Right. 
Um, so I think about like a lot, a comment that I remember was about this lady talking about how, I don't, I don't know if it was sexual harassment or what, but she was very hurt. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she's like, well, Christians are like this. So I'm out. I'm out. Right. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of not just doubting, but not just a lot of questions, but a lot of people hurt people. Yeah. And because of that, people will step away because of, mm-hmm. you, you know. And that's makes bag of tricks, too, because you've got to be careful how you navigate that. Because ultimately, too, on the flip side of that coin is when conviction of the Holy Spirit is in the process and you're, you know, you're wanting to be loving and presenting and all that. There's sometimes you can't get past that. But then there's other times of like, you know, what are we really accomplishing? Pastor, what are you really accomplishing by going through your heavy breathing tirade? Um, all respect, Scott. Yeah, not talking yeah, about you, buddy. Um, but your heavy breathing tirade, uh, you know, walking up and down that. And, and I've seen videos of this stuff of these pastors walking up and down the aisle, just blasting a person that's in their congregation. Like, that's not the love of Christ, y'all. I mean, yeah, we're supposed to call and and and, and rebuke sin of a believer and and help restore them. But it's almost when you rebuke somebody, it's it's almost a a position of hey, I, you've fallen down and you've hurt yourself pretty bad through whatever situation this is of of your sin. I'm gonna help you get back up on your feet, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna walk carrying you until you can walk back on walk on your own two feet spiritually and then I'm going to walk beside you. I'm not going to sit and beat you to death right. in in you know a Sunday morning sermon. Um that's in all honesty like we shouldn't be the ones condemning each other. Right. We shouldn't be the ones hurting each other. We sh- we should be lifting each other up like we're not called to you know give each other whoopings. We're right. not called to do that. We're just called to lift each other up and, and love. We're not called to say, oh, yeah. you, you, you watch pornography? Oh, right. It sucks to be you, son. Right. Yeah. How dare you, you know? And and we, we condemn and, like, we don't we don't offer restoration. That's the thing, too. Well, and I think I think what's happened is is we we don't walk out relationship well mm. or, or even right, maybe. Um, and, and, and so, and, and different talk. I'm available next week. Different talk for a different day. <laughs> Uh, but just just even like the, the social world that we're living in, and kind of what's that what that's doing to us mm-hmm. relationally um, right. with, with people, and, and even virtual reality type stuff is coming down the pipe. That, that's mm-hmm. going to just I mean, it's really going to jack people up and jack mm-hmm. uh, up circumstances and and realities for people and what that means relationally. But I think I think it's because we we haven't walked that out very well and lived that relationship well, and even and we've even allowed culture to define certain things for us. So, so when we talk about, um, as you was talking about earlier, pe- people giving people keys to walk into any room in our life um, and, and ask any question they want, um, and then whenever they do see something that that's not God honoring, to question that is, well, who who are you to do that or to what? You're, you're, and we like to throw out that judging thing, mm-hmm. and then we'll 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 jack some scriptures out of context. Well, do- and, dog, you gave me the keys of the house, and you yeah. let me come in. I mean, no, yeah. that's what you wanted yeah. me to do, and I'm here yeah. doing what you wanted me to do. Yeah. You know. Well, but, but that's not loving though, because loving would say turn <laughs> yeah. turn a blind eye to, or loving would say just accept and move on with it, and mm-hmm. loving. I mean, and and that's that's the way the culture defines love. That's the way the culture defines relationship. And, but it's not the way that, that the scriptures do. And so, uh, again, and even that blend there, when we talk about deconstructing, is it's almost like, like the church, we've, we've allowed culture to dictate way too much for us and define mm-hmm. 
for us way too much, and mm. and that's 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 when it gets very very dangerous. I, and I've come across several that that help make this issue worse. Is I've come across several people on social media that have no theology background, that have no grounding in scripture, that aren't believers, that are looking at Christians and telling them how they should live when they themselves haven't even looked at the words of Jesus, haven't even looked at Genesis through Revelation, haven't Mm -hmm. even dug into scripture. They're just going off of this social stereotype of how a Christian should be. And I think a lot of times we're allowing the world to dictate what Christianity should be rather than looking at scripture and, and, and saying, Hey, this is how we should live as followers of Christ. And, and we run into that. And when we spend more time on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and WhatsApp and YouTube and am I covering them all? Am I Twitch? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know. And that's our source of information when it comes to these things. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, a pastor that I served under, he used the illustration of, of you know, what dog you going to feed. Yeah. You know, you going to f- feed the, the dog that keeps you pulled into the world, or you going to feed the dog that keeps you rooted in Christ. And the dog that you feed more is going to become stronger. And a lot of us, we're only feeding our, our <laughs> I hate to put it like this, but we're only feeding our Jesus dog, our, our relationship with Christ dog, once, maybe twice a week. Yeah. Maybe a third time if we, you know, get a little time in the evening and we can put a little dust on, you know, drive, you know, Flick a little dust off the Bible and and open it up. Um, I think you, you you made a good point though, or you, you kind of pointed to something that I really haven't. Think. How do y'all think COVID has possibly made this um, issue of deconstruction more prevalent? We go rock paper scissors for this, or you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're sitting here looking at each right. other. What do we, <laughs> you make. I, mean, I, th- I think COVID. I think COVID has done done a number um, a number of things uh, on the church and and just even relationally and as it pertains to discipleship and um, and it's just uh, again just just work the church over um, and I think I think and this is and I don't I don't mean this is I I know how me uh, anyway I'm just gonna say it. Um, I think there's some blessings in disguise from it because what it has done is it's revealed, it's revealed some difficult truth that we've got to look at, and it's exposed the church in some areas where, where she needed to be exposed in, and that's that's just a good gift of God whenever things like mm-hmm. that happens, uh, to, and to, to help us, and and so, um, so so with that, if if we'll be open to and look at and really assess, um, and and repent over our sin, uh, and then, um. In, in repenting of our sin, now now start to take the the proper steps to walk toward Christ and to to do a better job in some of those areas uh, where we can actually be more effective. Because I don't, I don't think social media is a bad thing. I don't think uh, church online is a bad thing. I don't think I mean I think those those can be very good resources for. Uh, but but when you look in Scripture, I mean we were created to walk relationally with each other. We we, we were created to look face to face, eye to eye. Do life on life together. I mean, you, you see that throughout the scriptures, and so, um, and so it's in doing that. I, th- I think again, the the problem comes is the way that we define certain things, the way that we look at certain things, or even how how things have been done in the past. And and some of that pushes us further away, or some of that is kind of a vice grip to keep us stronger together. And so, mm-hmm. um, so so again, I, th- I think it, it's it's looking at and defining and walking through, walking through and doing the difficult work of 
of, of working through some of some of those type of things to mm-hmm. to land at a place that's going to honor God and it's going to position us in a way to where we we can walk out and live out and we can have those environments. I, I think I think probably one of the biggest words missing in, in everything nowadays is the intentionality of, of mm-hmm. stuff. We we everything's usually just in response to or it's on a whim right. or it's I was I was reading a book this past week was talking about like decision making and things like that and it says that that we make um, we make over ninety thousand mm. decisions just kind of unconsciously, like like not not a lot of thought in it. Not it's just natural. Like so, that could be from brushing your teeth to putting on your your glasses or a hat or, or or those type of things. And then it talked about the the amount of decisions that we make even outside of that, right. w- with with very little thought in, mm-hmm. um, and and even weighing decisions and stuff. And I think I think that we've just got to do a better job at that as right. as a church, as as believers, um, as disciples. Um, and, and, and engaging our world that way. I also think just kind of, as you were talking, it kind of spurred a thought in my mind is like, uh, also something that may have, have led to this is our fear as, as leadership within the church. Um, and I'll just say it, not being educated. Yeah. Now I'm not talking about, oh, you've got to have 40, 40 pieces of paper up on the wall from, and doctorates and masters and all those things. What I am talking about, and, and 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 I'm sitting across, and Austin, I'm just, you and I, we don't have any, I don't have anything beyond my bachelor's degree, a communications degree from North Greenville, and you're working on finishing up your college right now. And, and when we look at this as leaders in the church, we immediately go, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel, I'm, and that's what I'm doing, and I don't need to do anything else. We'll pump the brakes here just for a second. Because if you look, and, and I want to encourage you to go and look, that when we look at the life of Paul, the da- Damascus Road conversion, yep. and he goes to Straight Street, and he's there until Ananias comes to him. Immediately when, when the Lord sends Ananias to Paul, praise, scale falls from his eyes, those things, what does Paul do? Does he immediately... Now, could he, with the fire, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, all of that, absolutely he could have. Mm-hmm. But what Paul knew, because of his previous training, he needed to be corrected, whatever, and so he went to Peter. Paul went to Peter and spent, what, almost three years yeah. with Peter. And you look at the disciples, the ones in which started the boom of the church movement. We have the New Testament because a lot of the disciples and their faithfulness well, before they were commissioned to go, they spent time learning from Jesus. Right. So, no, you don't have to have the paper on the wall, but you need to be forever learning, pastor, That's leader it. of the church. Yeah. You've got to be digging. You've got to be figuring out why you believe what you believe, and it's okay for you to even ask those hard questions. Um, and there's a multi multitude of resources that we can do um, for that. And that's like even even me. Um, even even me, like coming out of college, um, and and I, all I've got is a biblical um, biblical studies degree. Coming out of college and where I landed there at that date, compared to where I, I even land now with certain doctrine or certain theology or certain certain things of, of that nature, um, it has changed. I mean, I've learned, I've I've grown more, I've been able to to read more and study more and to to look into and and do things like that, and so. Um, so, so we're, like I said, I, I don't ever want to be satisfied and content where I'm at. But I also mm-hmm. understand and know that there's certain things we just won't know the answers to. Right. But we still press into the deep waters of the Lord, and we mm-hmm. still let, allow to, uh, to to go to those places and let the Holy Spirit work on us and 
do do that work on us. And sometimes those conversations are you've got to be careful with those conversations because some of those conversations are not meant for young believers. They can't right. handle that stake. You know, yep. I've got exactly. a ten month I got a ten month old right now and you've got a what, an eighteen month old? Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's he's probably eating some sandwiches and stuff like that, but you you flop a big old, you know, you know, tomahawk ribeye down in front of him, he's gonna probably press into yeah. it with his hands and play with it a little bit, but he's not gonna be able to digest that bad boy. Mm-hmm. And and spiritually speaking, there's there's things like that that exist, but yes. but as leaders we got to go, okay, believer that we are called to disciple, that we are just cross paths with this new believer, where are they at? And let them ask the questions too. Austin, yeah. go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I did the first question, but then it kind of went way. Sorry, ahead. sorry, yeah, <laughs> Ten- Tennessee to Rabbit Trail. Go yeah. ahead. Um, but I was going to answer a question about how COVID has affected the church. I see where kind of like where you're going, how this revealed the hearts of the people in the church and how a lot of them who didn't, you can see where the habitual habit wasn't for people just to be here because they've always been here. Um, and then you see once that, once that was out of the picture, they're no longer here or they're mm. no longer at any church. Um, you see where a lot of churches are struggling because if you have a lot of the, either the older generation or the, the middle generation of like, I've always been here my entire life, but because of, you know, I don't have to be here anymore. I can watch it online. And because of online, it's very easy not to watch. Right. They don't do it anymore because it's no longer a habit. Right. Especially this is like, what, year three in? Year, yeah, year three in. And you yeah. see where the fruits of that, the lack of discipleship of pursuing those people, mm-hmm. it, it's hurt. Yeah, because everyone across it, the board. They're finding things, better things to do on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've kind of referred to it as a, as a shakedown almost, too, because – because, you know, that's a racing term. You know, I'm redneck, you know, closet redneck over He's here. He's a twitch eye racer. Yeah, whatever. Um, but when you, in a race car or in a drag car or whatever kind of racing car that you have, they, they do this thing called a shakedown. And it's a, a pre-run before you actually submit or, or enter into a race. You shake down the car to see if there's anything wrong with it or see where the issues are. And and I believe that COVID has, has been a great uh, shakedown. Yeah. For the church and going, okay, here's here's we we really were doing some maybe some crazy stuff that we really weren't benefiting. So here's the here's the let's refocus just for a bit. Um, and then even within the year that I've been here, you see where I've seen where a lot of the like I don't know what it was like before I got here, but you know probably a lot of the, the older generation has kind of said away because COVID is you know. When it first came out, COVID was dangerous and scary for for people who were health, you know, had a lot of health issues or older. But you see, like now, I look around in our sanctuary, and there's a lot of young couples. There's a mm-hmm. lot of young families. There's a lot of younger people that right. it kind of outweighs the older generation right now. You mm-hmm. see where, at least from my perspective, you see where that that desire and that fire is for people who want discipleship compared to where it was. It was just because it was a Sunday morning, right? So you see where the healthiness is then of numbers and now versus of how there's discipleship orientation. There's there's a yearning for that. And something I was thinking about, too, is is do you all think that um, a lot of what's led to this deconstruction movement is as a result of maybe the emotional experience emphasis that we've seen within the Christian within Christianity? Big quotes there. Do you all think that? That well, because I'm no longer experiencing those emotional points, 
and I'm realizing that that maybe I've I've had to walk through a desert. I've had to walk through a wilderness in my relationship with Jesus that because I don't feel him or experience him as much as I used to, I'm no longer, you know, well something's wrong and I got to I got to I got to tear this thing apart. Right. Um I'm going to make a statement then I'll follow up that statement kind of with an explanation. <laughs> Um, I just believe that the majority of my Christian walk is the mundane day-to-day. And, and what I mean by that is this, is, is that pressing in, it's that difficult work of pursuing Christ. And what I mean by difficult on my side because of the flesh and my desires to, to check out or to be lazy or not to have to push through or not to have to spend time. I mean, it, it's, t- it's tough to spend time in prayer in your closet by yourself. When, Focused, especially yeah. when you and me are kind of in the same boat. Dang, I mean, man, I know it. If y'all know anything about Scott, he, yeah. he's, he's got a little yeah. attention issue. I've and... got a lot of attention issue. <laughs> no, it's not a little. Um, but, and so that, so when I re- reference like the difficult work, that's like, that's difficult work. Like, like to, to, to set aside time and, and, and even like right here, right now, I mean, the amount of text that I've got, the amount of things that's come through, and you've seen it, yeah, the things that's yeah. happening, like to, to be devoted and focused here. Um, and I think that's just life everywhere, all the, the bings and the uh, flashy stuff and things that just tries to buy for our attention. Right. Um, and so, but what I've learned is it's, it's, it's in that, when I say mundane, I, I mean that, that repetition of mm-hmm. discipline. You see, you see Paul talk about discipline in the scriptures, and there's a discipline side and an expectation side from from me to position myself in a way where when when those moments do come of like breakthrough or um, kind of mountaintop moments, um, it, it's because I've done the difficult work of pursuing and staying with um, and, and under and, and Christ. So when it gets there, it's like, oh, wow. Um, because honestly, I mean, even and even as a pastor, weekly, there's not these – like huge mega like whoa moment like mm-hmm. like like mountainside mount mount uh, tra- the transfiguration there like there's not those kind of moments every week mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's it's that purposeful pursuit um and and so it, it's but again and it's and it's i mean there's like like, like baby angels in the background singing and harps <laughs> playing and stuff like that even like quiet time quiet time i mean sound how horrific that sounds to a guy like me that's yeah wired add and everywhere right. and i mean i'm just uh, all that kind of stuff, and in quiet time, that just, dude, like that's, oh, right. but but it's, <laughs> but it's in what, those. What's that? What's that, that hum in the yeah, background? Yeah. Is that something yeah. I haven't figured you out know yet? How loud that silence <laughs> is. Uh, um, but but it's in those moments of of pursuing and meeting with the Lord and and the work of the Holy Spirit to transform me and shape me and mold me, um, and and that's where the difficult work occurs. And so then whenever we do have those moments of breakthrough, those moments of aha, or those moments of, uh, of the, the different like highs of highs, um, man, they're just sweeter. And and hear me, like, Mm -hmm. like, like, don't, like I'm praying for those every moment of every day. Like I want those major Pentecost moments and the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit and tongues of fire. I mean, like I want that Mm -hmm. every moment of every day. Um, but what I've just kind of learned in in my walk is that that's, that's not the case. It's, it's that, it's that mundane pursuit. And in that doing the difficult work of, of shaking down and figuring out why I believe what I believe and going to the scriptures and, and, and. Well, that's, that's been the trend throughout scripture too, because I, you know, right now I'm in Exodus kind of, I'm, I've made you know, commitment with, with uh, some coaches with FCA. We're reading through the Bible in a year. Yeah. And so we've, we're reading uh, the mundane chapters, like the direction, uh, the detail and direction that, that God gave Moses and Aaron in, in having the tabernacle built. Yeah. 
um, the the dress and attire that the priest and Aaron should, you know, Aaron and his sons should wear. And that's chapter on and 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 chapter on. Oh, I can't wait till you get to Leviticus. Right, You're well, love that. Funny, because I'm, I'm in Leviticus yeah. right now. I love Leviticus, nerd here, because you start talking about a lot of the stuff in Leviticus, and, and, I, and I see the shadow of the cross, man. That's it. I see the shadow of the cross, and I praise the Lord that because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, I don't have – I don't want to say it hmm, – careful with this – that that he has met, he's met the full requirement of the law for those things, and and I no longer have to take my best cattle uh, to the temple, you know. Um, but those mountains. See, not but but because of the lack of discipleship, not many people view the scriptures that way. Right. Not many people look at it through those lenses of right. man, man, how the and in the Old Testament just kind of gets boggled up. It's like, man, that's that old book of history that uh, I don't quite understand it. It's right. weird. They're doing that weird stuff back right. there. So let's just get the New Testament. Right. And again. Uh, the church there has failed. Right. And and that's what I always tell. Uh, God, we're kind of segueing into another little topic here, but that's what I always tell somebody when they come to me and they're like, oh, let's study the book of Revelation. And I'm like, have you ever read the Old Testament? Read the Old Testament? No, what, no, no. Well, let's, let's read the book of Revelation. Pump the brakes here, cowboy. Yeah. Because you can't really, when, when Jesus starts to talk about the elders surrounded by the throne and, and the vision that John and, and all that stuff that's going on right there in Revelation, you don't fully understand it unless you read through Exodus, Leviticus, and yeah. see the the value behind the tabernacle and the value behind the temple and those things. And just so, like, it does go back to discipleship. Yeah. And we don't know the answers. And so we've got a generation of people raising, raising people generation of people that that are in church and churched people yep. and southern hospitality christianity um but when it comes to providing answers well well dad i'm i'm questioning my gender identity mm-hmm. what well son what do you mean well um you're a boy well no that's my sex dad the, my my gender my gender's fluid we don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. That dad who's not been discipled, right. not calling anybody specifically out here, that dad who's not been discipled doesn't have a biblical answer, yeah. but he's – and so when – well, you know, we fail, we've, we failed, I would say that. So um, as we kind of wrap up, here's a couple things that I, I want to kind of – well, a thing that I want to put out on the table um, – my student pastor, a great man, and as a leader, he always told me this. He said, as a leader, we never present, try to never go to somebody that you're following and present a problem without presenting a solution, a potential solution. And I know that we could probably sit here and talk 30 minutes on just, okay, this one question that I'm about to ask. Austin, I'm going to go to you first because what do you, for student ministry, so talk to student pastors just for a second, your opinion. What is the solution here of when you have to cross a path with a, a, a student pastor that's struggling with getting discipleship going in his church, but also maybe struggling with a student that has, has bitten off a piece of this pie or sandwich or whatever of um, deconstruction? What's the solution? What what does a student pastor do? I think everything goes back to, to loving whoever that is. Um because they, they, they're not going to respond well to, well, you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to respond to, 
let me hear you hear why you feel that way. And let me, let me, you know, kind of share my heart with you kind Mm of. So, so love, we talked about the very very beginning. Love is the, we need to show everyone love. We need to show, show love to our neighbor just as much as we love ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But like it all goes back to discipleship. I think a lot of students, student pastors like to go to the attractions and likes to go to the, uh, the whole, we got to make these big events. We got to make, Everything have a fun thing so that we can get people in. It all goes back to like the whole idea of the great mission. We're like we're here for to get the numbers. We're here to get the the big the big things. But it all goes back to are we really pouring into our students as much as we think we are? Mm-hmm. And um, is it valuable pouring? Yeah, is, is it valuable? Like, is it valuable to them? Is it is it worth actually worth their time, or is it just another fun thing to do that we can check off our list? Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, now you're not totally opposed to fun things. Oh, God no. can use yeah. attractional ministry to bring kids in. But if there's no discipleship, this is right. in vain. Right. Like if, right. if we're just doing like a show right. and that's it, what are we doing? Right. We're just wasting time. Right. Um, and it all goes back to the idea of um, they're only with me three hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I only have them for that, for that long. And they have, I think, I think we told I don't know how many hours are in a week. Mm. some number, but <laughs> some three, three hours number. compared to that, that's not a lot. Right. Um, and so that three hours is all that I got to, to pour my, my, my life and soul into them. 168 hours minus three. <laughs> Math is hard. Wow. Um, and so like they have that much, that many hours with their friends, with their family, with their schools, with their, with their sports. Like, and then we only got three hours to disciple and pour like our hearts and souls right. into these kids. Right. And and that's the, that's the thing that I try to make, parents kind of grab too is that I'm you know as a student pastor you're here as a kind of a tool to help the parents but parents mom dad you reach that three hour limit before you drop your kid off to school on a Monday morning You've already spent three hours, and, and think about that next Monday morning when you're yeah. getting out of the car That's and good. you're saying, bye, baby, I love you, make it count, whatever little saying, giving them a kiss on the cheek or whatever. You spend more time on Monday morning, by the time that they get out of that car, that's more time than what a student pastor or youth pastor or even a pastor has spent with your child, your student, whatever, during that week. So... Mom, Dad, here's my kind of challenge for y'all is to, y'all are the ones doing the discipling. Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy, I, I'm, I, I haven't been discipled myself. Just do the next right step. I tell parents the next right thing is to let your kids see that you're making God's Word a priority in your home. Sit down, get up, 5 a.m., ever how, 30 minutes earlier than you normally do. Sit down at the table and let little Johnny, little Susie, little Maddox mm-hmm. come down the hall and see that mom and dad are in some way making God's word a priority. Yeah, that's it. And, and you don't have to be Billy Graham or some great theologian. You've, they've just got to see the value that they see that you value. Um, spending time in God's word and that's where it starts. And then all the other harder questions we can, we can help you handle and navigate that as, as we go. And and that's the big thing too. Scott, um, as a pastor, um, and you're, you're a younger guy, which is ironic. Cause you're like, you're younger than me by like a couple two, months, 
couple months. I'm 38. I'm, I'm 39. Okay. Getting ready to turn 40 in June. Okay, well, so I'm, I'm like a year, old, year and a half older than you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, no wonder, no wonder we're getting yeah, out of student that's ministry. Right. Um, but it, it kind of explodes to a bigger scale with you, with the church. Um, we presented the problem. What's the solution? Um, I, I believe the solution, the, the solution is, is is a couple of things, a couple of fold. Um, one is I believe that we need to create an environment where people can ask questions, that where people can struggle with certain things. That's fine. Let's just love them enough and care for them enough to walk with them through that. Um, so to create that environment, and then as that environment's created, we never we never back down from the truth. The truth is truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've we have got history, and we have got a number of examples to show that if it, that if we bow to culture and let culture dictate what truth is or what feels right or what we see where that leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us as the church. We believe that God's word is inspired, that it's perfect, that it's inerrant, and so we're always going to land there. Um, the Bible talks about how there's a right, the way that seems right to man, and it and it leads to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what does God lead to? He leads to life. He leads to vitality. And so, um, so for us, or the, I think the answer is, like I said, have that environment where people can ask those questions, where they're they're not looked down on, or they're not judged, or they're not. Um, if, and if you're str- that's, f- struggle, the church should be a place where people can struggle. And mm-hmm. be real and be open and honest. Absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I think the thing that breaks my heart is the church is so quick to crucify their own. Mm. They're so quick to kill their own and to drag them out and to make public examples out of that. Uh, instead of hearing and walking with and caring for um, uh, and, and, and doing that difficult work of relationship. And then in that, let them ask the question, but we're, we're going to take them to Scripture and we're going to take them to where the standard of truth comes for us. And it's, it's God speaking. He's spoken to us and he's given us the answers in his word. Right. Um, and so we've got to do the difficult work of, of walking through that and, and seeing and um, breaking down and, and communicating that in a way uh, that's loving and gracious and merciful and understanding that it may take time for people to land at a certain place. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to field those questions and, 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 and walk with them through that. And I think another thing that may be important too is you start to navigate through that as a church, as people in a church, and you find somebody that does approach you with a hard question that that maybe indicate that they're quote quote deconstructing yeah um is man yeah you yes you got to do it in love Mm -hmm. you got to do it in a like um listen to understand yes that is a big thing that i learned that was one of the hard lessons that i learned Mm -hmm. as a student pastor early on is is that um that I was, I was listening, um, but I was already formulating my answer, my rebuttal. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was already formulating my rebuttal and yeah. they hadn't finished talking yeah. and I was eager to cut in and interject what my thoughts. Yeah. Um, but also it's, it's one of those things too, where to, we got to create that environment. We got to create that environment where they feel, you know, where it's okay to ask those questions, like yeah. you said, yeah. But I think another thing where the where the culture's kind of creeped in to the church is that we're not okay to disagree, right? It's oh, not, you hate me, or you're yeah, judging me, right. or you're that's hate. So speech. if I if I dis if I disagree with you on a topic, uh, and, and bravo to the world because they have hijacked 
the phrase of tolerance and completely flipped it around Mm -hmm. where Scott, in order for you to tolerate me, you have to be completely supportive and accepting to every opinion, every thought, everything that I have as my lifestyle. And you need to show no objections to it. You just need to show me love. Mm -hmm. Ironic because that's not loving at all. No, you're exactly right. Because like you just said a while ago that, that, the way of man, there's a ways of man that leads to death. And and just for the example, I Austin's heard me give this example several times. I'm getting to the area where I had now officially have a toddler. And and you know, Maddox example of the week, here we go. Um, we were kind of putting up groceries the other night in the kitchen and we were letting Maddox kind of do his little thing. We kind of haven't contained mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nothing really too life threatening on on the floor, but but he was roaming around, and I sit here and think about the illustration that I give parents a lot of times. You have a toddler, a three- or four-year-old, and there is a boiling, 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 boiling pot of water. I mean, roll and boil pot of water on the stove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their little hand goes up to reach for that handle. What are you going to do as a parent? Hopefully, as a parent, you're going to, if you if you see it, God forbid you don't, but if you see it, you're going to say no, don't, mm-hmm. no, no, whatever. Yep. Ever, yep. And you're going to prevent them from hurting themselves. In an illustration, that's what, as believers, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. But the world has done a great job of going, uh-uh, that's not loving. Right. You're not supportive of me. You're yep. not celebrating me. And it goes back to that hearty applause of Romans 1 where where this is a, a thing, and I know we can kind of go down this road too, but – there are there's going to be a part of our culture that gives a hearty applause to sin, just oh, a bravo. And I'm I'm not talking about just a a golf clap here. I'm talking about an eruptive ovation at the end of a performance mm-hmm. type celebration of sin. Right. And and that's what the world is so good at doing, especially with the the students that question things and that have all the whatever issue insert here is that that group is very loving oh mm-hmm. come in and and yes we love you and we accept you and this is what love is is no you can't i'm sorry world you're not hijacking you're not hijacking the god who created what you say love is right the one Absolutely. that gets to define it is the that's one it. who created it that's it and god created love period mm-hmm. he gets to define it yes and what you're not saying what you're not doing what it's not love you're letting a, a person go to that rolling bowl of water and essentially dump it over mm-hmm. their heads. And then you get on the back end of this. And, and what a lot of people don't talk about specifically, I almost said specifically, wow. Specifically, um, <laughs> specifically in the homosexual community. Huge on you know what we kind of know as love bombing. Mm-hmm. Up front, love, acceptance, all this other yeah. stuff. But once they've been in that lifestyle for, for years on end, there's an emptiness that falls in and they, they ostracize the people like if they're no longer valid to the community or what, I don't know ever how it works on the back end, they just kick them to the curb. Mm. And once again, they're questioning and they're empty and that can insert drug issue, insert whatever right. kind of, you know, there. And here we are. So, you know, yes, that's, uh, you know, another little rabbit trail, but I think, as we navigate the solution here mm-hmm. as the church and the student pastor, um, the pastor, the guy with FCA, we go, you know, the men that I encounter 
that may ha- ask the hard questions. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in front of athletes all day. You know, there's a, there's a kid that I work with that um, he's a pitcher for a baseball team that I minister to. And he's got, you know, the other day at practice, he had about 10 scouts, professional scouts looking at him. And so it's like that kid needs yeah. answers for the culture that he's in. And Christ is the answer, but but we got as as believers, we have to be diligent to grow in discipleship, right? Um, so that we can give an answer, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I think back is in in my own personal way, I kind of went through a deconstruction phase, whatever, as a believer. But my student pastor looked at it and challenged me to figure out yeah. why I believe yeah. what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And that led me to answering. Uh, going and asking hard questions and looking at YouTubes of some of the great apologists. Yeah. I mean, because I pressed in and, and tried to figure out why I believe what I believe, I found out who Gary Habermas was. And I listened to his uh, lectures from Liberty yeah. um, uh, about the external, you know, the external documentation that they have for the proof of, of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the literal papers and evidence that proves that Jesus yeah. rose from the yeah. dead. The man can sit and give a whole presentation and talk to you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and give historical, like where historians that aren't Christians have recognized this stuff. I found all that stuff. Yep. And I and I desire I found my desire for apologetics mm-hmm. and asking the hard questions. And I found people that could answer those hard questions. And then it, it led me to push into a little more of my how what do I know about God? And how I know about, you know, what do yeah. I know about how he does all these things? And that, and so it made me a stronger believer because I died yeah. in my faith. Yeah. faith. That's good. Um, well, I just I just know f- for us as a church, that's what we want to do. We want to create an environment where people can have those kind of conversations that we can walk with them and love them um, and point them back to where, where we find truth is God's word. And even, and maybe some of the reason we're seeing some of this is I, I just know a, a big topic years ago was seeker friendly. Mm-hmm. You want to be a seeker friendly church. And so you want to make certain things palatable to people to try to draw a crowd or try to, and I know that again, as we talked earlier about what success looks like for the church is uh, we got to have butts and seats and we mm-hmm. got to have a big crowd. And if we don't, then we're, we're, we're not doing or we're not successful and we don't judge success on God's standard, but on my standard or the world standard of what that looks like. Um, and, and I would say just just for those men who stand in that behind that pulpit week in and week out is, man, present the full counsel of God. Present mm-hmm. the truth, the hard, difficult truth. Um, and, and I guess the way that I look at it, if, if people are seeking, they're looking for something. They're looking for answers, and we need to give them the true answers, not try to to water it down or not to try to, and there's a way to present it in love and grace and mercy. Right. Um, but, but to do it, but, but to give them, give them truth as we find in scripture. Yeah. And that's, this is a, a huge, huge topic um, to, to unfold. And I know that this is probably going to be some stuff that we, we're going to revisit. Um, and like I said, as, as we have talked about it, um, I just kind of wanted to open the door uh, and, and kind of throw it out there. Um, but go ahead, Austin. You, you, you've got to. Well, I was going to say, give them the bad news before you give them the good news. Okay. Oh, see, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. What, the bad news? The bad news. What is the bad news? I was going to say, like, that they're doomed to hell. 
<laughs> right. Like the way he's going on, like give, you have to give him the bad news before you have to give him the good news. Right. Because like, I mean, we're all because oh, we're going to water it all down. They're not yeah. going to get what the bad news really is and what the good right. news really is. Other than, hey, here's here's pretty cool seats and they're here. Like, hey, here's pretty cool music. Also, here's a little bit of here's a little bit of sprinkles. Mm-hmm. But like, if they don't know what the bad news is, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, what 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 do they know what they're, what they're saved from? Yeah. Because in their in their state as is left left alone without Christ, they're they're left alone to to die and be condemned yeah. in the nature that which they are is 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 a sin sinful rebellious person apart from God, and that's the beauty of Christ. That's the beauty of what Jesus did is is that He came to this earth, took on the flesh of man. Mm-hmm. Um, he showed us how to live like God. And through his taking our sin, past, present, future, to the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, that's the good news. That's it. ching the gospel. And not making light of it, but like it all kind of starts to fit together. And ultimately, yes, the gospel is the solution. Right. And that's, you know, but it's a big, big, big thing to unfold in how to help um, a person uh, that you know that may be deconstructing or that may need to be discipled. So as we kind of wrap up, I just want to say this. Um, if you have a, a friend or family member or student or whatever that may be um, going through a little bit of what we talked about, I, I would I would love to extend because I know Scott and yeah. Austin here at New Life would love to field your questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Um, Scott, how can they, you know, somebody that, hey, I want to be discipled or I yeah. want to get involved with New Life or or not necessarily New Life. Hey, I just need somebody to disciple me um, or I have questions about, you know, my faith. What can or how can they reach out to you? What, what can they do? Absolutely. No, um, so you can, I mean, you can hit us up. You can follow us on Facebook um, there. Uh, it's got all of our information. You can send us private messages through that, through our app, um, New Life Baptist Fellowship. We've got an app out for um, all, all platforms there. Um, you can call our church office uh, here. Um, you can shoot me an email. My email is just just my name, Scott Miller at nlbfonline.org. Um, and so there, there's just a number of ways ways to, to do that and get a hold of us. And um, and again, our, our heart is this: is that if, if you're in a community not close to here, or you're in an area, or or even a, a neighboring community, man, we we. We've got friends and churches and pastors and, and different places like that. And for us, it's not a competition, but it, it's an opportunity just to serve the body um, and to get you plugged in and, and pointed in the right direction. And if it's not here, then and then I know that there's there's a lot of good Bible-believing churches in the community and area to where you can go and have those kind of conversations. Some really just good men of God who are, who are proclaiming week in and week out truth uh, with grace and mercy, and you can— um, you, you can we can point you even in those directions there to help. But we we would count it an honor to be able to pray for, walk with, uh, do whatever we can do, kind of just in helping. Is there a website they can go to? Did you yes? Did you mention uh, that? I'm sorry. The uh, website's going to be nlbfonline.org. Awesome. Um, and I'll I'll post all that stuff in yeah. in the the comment or the comment section, the description of this podcast. Um, Austin, student at Bowling Springs, student at Chesney, student at Chapman. Um, what other schools you got involved? Um, tell if you're if there's a parent listening um, that wants to get plugged into a church, or how can they find out about your student ministry? Um, through through the same website that he just said. Um, but also we have our own version of, of our Facebook. It's just uh, new new life students. Um, it's very easy to find us, uh, or uh, on Instagram too. We use Instagram and and Facebook because we're cooler 
because we have Instagram. Oh, that's right, we do that too. <laughs> yeah, you do Instagram, but I, I just want to say we have Instagram. Uh, that's also New Life students Franklin as well. Yeah, he's going to murder you. Franklin's yelling at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Guys! <laughs> Twitch, you better, Scott. Um, so th- through, through those ways of social media, um, but also for – what was the question? I'm sorry. How can they get in contact, contact oh with – uh, my email is also uh, my, just my name, Austin and Graham at nlbfonline.org. How do they spell Graham? G R A H A M. Okay. Like like the other, the other guy, uh, Billy. Yeah, the other guy. Yeah, same 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 thing. No uh, relation. No relation. Uh, um, not a, not that cool. Um, through that, uh, I don't want to give my number because that's uh, that's a dangerous <laughs> dangerous place. Right. But also the church I'll give phone. It. <laughs> I can give it real quick. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you Jimmy's number and he'll let you. He'll let right. Me know. And and of course, if uh, you know you have any questions or or any comments or concerns, you can also email us um, at the table podcast sc all one word at gmail dot com. The table podcast sc all one word at gmail dot com, and and we can. Uh, Definitely uh, have any questions, comments, concerns, all that. We'd love to kind of address those. Snide maybe remarks. Yes, yeah, snide remarks. I forgot about that. I used to do that. Questions, comments, concerns, snide remarks. Um, all to the table podcast, sc at gmail.com. Um, Scott Miller, Austin Graham, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. And, and of course, this is kind of opened the door um, as we kind of dig and find a little bit more out about deconstruction. There's a lot to talk about in this area um, and a lot of good and bad information. And I don't feel like this is going to be the last time that uh, we're going to, we're going to have a conversation here at the table. So I want to thank my guest and guys, as always, I am so thankful and appreciative for you giving me right now what it looks like is about an hour and 30 minutes of your time just to listen to this conversation. Um, I'm very thankful for um, you taking time to listen to the table and always um, let me know your maybe show ideas and all that uh, at, at the email that I mentioned beforehand. And uh, so we'll be out next week and have another um, episode of the table. Um, We're going to be working on episode four next week. So uh, once again, thanks again. And uh, thanks for coming and sitting down at the table with us.